Peter have been with us many times. Those of you who have been a part of our church uh, have uh, welcomed them before. They work with HCJB Radio and uh, in a ministry called Apoyo of pastoral training and leadership development throughout Central and South America. Um, I've had the opportunity to travel with them many times to different countries like Ecuador and Peru and Guatemala to do pastoral training. And it's always a joy. Uh, Kathy is the kind of the detail person who takes care of, you know, making sure that we know exactly where we're supposed to be in our itinerary. And she is so well organized that, uh, you know, I get this packet of information and I know exactly what's going to be happening all the way through. And America is so gifted in relating to the pastors, understanding their needs and uh, he translates when I teach, and he can kind of clean up if I say something that it's not going to make sense or communicate. You know, he knows, and we work together very well. And it's it's a real joy. You know, I, I thought about having him speak in Spanish and me translate, but then it, it would it would really go a lot longer, especially since I can't speak Spanish. And uh, <laughs> But um, it's just a joy to have him here today. So welcome, America. Come and share with us. What a joy to be in your um, church this morning. It really is. Uh, you are very special people. You adopted us as your missionaries way, way back. I don't know how many years. It's been a wonderful, wonderful fellowship experience. Just amazing. Your pastor is an amazing person. Um, in fact, when he travels with me to places, people already ask about you mean you came without Pastor Rick? <laughs> How dare you? He's, he's such a gifted speaker, a great communicator, a man of the word. He encourages people. That's why I really enjoy traveling with him. In fact, I, the, more, the longer we serve in the ministry, the more I realize that um, doing church and missionary work is an endeavor that requires the active participation of the entire company of God. All of us need to be engaged in missions, whether at home, whether abroad. Paul understood this. He understood very clearly how much it takes to do missionary work. It's interesting, the more I read the scriptures, the more I realize that Paul was surrounded by an unlikely company he couldn't live without. He had a, a group of people that were part of his team, like Pastor Rick and I make a team. Paul had a group of people that make up part of my team. My wife and I are a team. Uh, I have to be honest with you, he does a lot more work than I do. In fact, when I'm traveling to places, I'm known as Kathy's husband. Because <laughs> she works so well with the, our coordinators. See, our coordinators work very diligently with my wife, coordinating details. Now, details can bore me. I love working with people, people are fun. But I don't work with details because I'll mess it up. And my wife handles details so well. When details come around, I said, you take over. 
Now, that doesn't mean that she's not good with people. She's phenomenally with people. And such a gifted woman that brought into my life. And we've been doing this for many, many, many years. And we enjoyed every minute of it. See, ministry takes a team of people. Whether it be in your church, whether it be in the mission field. There's no way, no one can do ministry without people. It's just God's design. That's the way it is. There's no way to doubt that. There's no way to contradict that fact. Paul knew about it. He knew about it. It takes people. Why was so strategic for Paul? Why? But I, obviously, um, God is the only reason for ministry. That's the answer. But this morning I'm not going to talk about why. Why it's so strategic to work with people. To have people around us to do ministry, to do missionary work. But I'm going to talk about something else. I'm going to talk about the um, who. I want to talk to you about who are the people that... They really make a difference if ministry is going to happen. <clears throat> I just happened to talk to you about my wife. Without her, there is no ministry. I said, wait a minute, are you going too far? I don't think so. So, Paul had two groups of people. Those who work intimately with him and those who actually were almost... And every time, every time he would travel, he would find these people. And they were part of his team. And we'll talk about that. But let me, let, let me see if I get a little help from you. Paul had traveling companions, which I would call part of his team. Could you remind me, see who some of these team members were? Silas, very good. Mark, Timothy, very good, very good, very good. One more. Barnabas, very good. But let me talk about, since we have so many, let me talk to you about the few, okay? Let me talk about one in particular, who is my favorite, Titus. And I want you to look in your Bibles, a very interesting scripture that when I read it, I had to read it over and over and over again to really understand what the meaning of this verse was. Well, this is how it goes. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel, remember, Paul is a preacher. He's a teacher. When I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. Look at this. Great opportunities to do ministry. You know, sometimes I have that great opportunity to do ministry when I see an open door. When people are really hungry to hear the preaching of his word. And I go to places where people are really almost so, uh, so open that you want to take every second, every opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And, uh, but <clears throat> here's an interesting story. It says, I still had no peace 
of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. Shocking. You mean, Paul, are you out of your mind? Look at the opportunities you have. The mission field is really out, ready for harvest. And Paul says, I'm not going to do it. You know why? Because my brother Titus is not here. Now, I have a theological problem with that. But I'm glad that uh, I'm not the one to answer all the theological problems. See, with God, there is no waste of time. There is no wasted opportunity. And listen to me. When Paul goes to Troas, he finds these open opportunities. But he does absolutely nothing because his companion is not there. Door closed. So he goes away. He goes to Macedonia. (laughs) Just, I I can't really put all of that in my mind. My mind is too small to really understand that. And this is to show you and me how important people are for doing ministry. Those few that accompanied Paul were key to his ministry. Okay, let's go to the next one. Second Corinthians. When we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. See, Titus was a very special man. He was an encourager. He was an encourager. Not only he was a troubleshooter. Remember when he was left by Paul in the island of Crete to solve problems? He was a problem solver. But most of all, he was an encourager. You know, brothers and sisters, these are the kind of people that we need in our churches today. It doesn't take any training to be a discourager. Absolutely. Have you ever seen an advertisement of that? We train discouragers. There's no such a thing. But the church is the center, the place where we come to be trained as encouragers. Life is complicated and we need to be encouraged how to tackle the issues of life. The next one. I thank God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. Huh. The same heart that Paul had for people also had Titus for other people. For Titus not only welcome our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and his own initiative. In other words, Paul did not have to authorize Titus to do this, to do that. He said, he said to Paul, Paul, I'm going to do it. You're going to do it? Yeah, because I want to. See, these are the kind of people who will bless the church when they say, I want to. 
Not because my pastor is telling me to do, but because I want to. I want to see more people in our churches today, in Latin America and the United States, who say, I want to. I want to serve my fellow workers. I want to serve my, my fellow members in the church. I want to help my neighbors. I want to. On an own initiative. People who are willing to risk their lives for others. Okay, let's go and see another man who is one of my favorites. In fact, I took Second Timothy 2.2 as my life verse. When I graduated from Moody Bible Institute many years ago, actually it's the last century. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. Um, I took Second Timothy 2.2 as my life verse. For the things you heard in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men, persons, individuals, who will be able to teach others also. So, Timothy is my one of favorites. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered. Oh, how much we need cheers in our church. People who cheer up their pastor. Do you cheer up your pastor? Do you cheer up your elders? Do you cheer up your Sunday school teachers? Those who do buildings and grounds, you cheer them up. They need encouragement. Sometimes we cheer up so much, too much, the people under the spotlights. Those who can speak well, those who can preach well, those who can really produce for you. This morning you will find out those in the background are the ones that need to be applauded, to be recognized to be cheered up. And Timothy was one of those men. I want to be like Timothy when I grow up. I want to be like Timothy when I grow up. I have no one else like him. Oh, I, I wish I could say these words about everybody I know. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest. Wow. Like Titus on his own initiative. Timothy, a genuine interest in people. We need people today in our churches who are fully, genuinely interested in people. The, the older I get, the more I realize God is interested in people. That's why He sent His Son to die for them. People is what interests God. That's why you're here. <laughs> so here we go. Verse 22. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father he has served with me in the work of the gospel. 
I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. What a help. What a helpful man. I want to be like Timothy when I grow up. Let's go to another man that worked very closely with Paul. Titicus. The dear brother. I love that. Dear brother. I have a few dear brothers in Latin America. I really call them dear brothers. Dear brothers. I love I loved the expression in English. Dear. For some reason it just sounds very warm. Dear. That's how Paul talks about his brothers. Dear brother and faithful servant. We were singing this morning about God's faithfulness. Faithful servant in the Lord. We'll tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Again, the word encouragement. Sometimes I wonder if this has disappeared from our churches today. (laughs) Encouragement. Let me say this. When we served with Pastor Rick in, uh, in Latin America, I'm not used to this high tech stuff. When we serve with Pastor Rick in Latin America, God bring, brings into our lives discouraged servants. And to watch your pastor teach the word, encouraging men and women with such a passion, with, with dedication, with commitment to the word, the Spirit uses him to encourage others. I have seen pastors coming to me and they said, guess what? The Lord met me again by the words that Pastor Rick brought to us. Men with tears in their eyes that he may encourage you. I want you to be an encouragement to someone today. Maybe your own wife. Maybe your husband. Maybe your children. Maybe someone who's never been recognized before. But these are the few that are the ones we know of and we're familiar with. But God is also involved in, uh, um, in others, in the lives of others to help us. So let's call the others. <laughs> now, these people are um, not that less important. They are equally important in the ministry that God has entrusted to us. The others. Who are these others? These are the people perhaps that you will not, never hear their names. Or or if you do, you may have a hard time pronouncing their names. Such is the case in Romans 16. Look at the list of Romans 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. By the way, this is the list. It's interesting, when Paul finished chapter 15, he, he puts the word Amen 
By the way, in chapter 15, may God of peace be with you all. Amen. When you say amen, is the end of it. Right? Be, so be it. Most of us are used to the word amen at the end of every event, prayer, and songs, etc. Reminds me, my uh, little granddaughter uh, looks like her uh, grandma, blue eyes, very intelligent. She's uh, not even two years old yet. Um, uh, my son David and Beth are married, and, and they're serving Quito with us in Ecuador. And uh, they have four kids, you know. What are the ages again? Six, five, three, not quite two. That's how productive my family is. <laughs> anyway, so my son invites us and, uh, to have dinner with them. And uh, my son says, uh, Grandpa, it's your time to pray. You know, when you pray, you want to be thankful for the food. And sometimes you add a couple of things in there, you know. My granddaughter, the youngest one, I think her favorite words are, All done, or Amen. <laughs> and uh, so I was praying. I said, Jesus, thank you for the food. And I hear this little voice out there, Amen. <laughs> and I, there I am thinking, you know, I'm not done yet. I, I call the, the children under three, they have this disease, that it's called attention deficit disorder. And uh, she has one of these diseases. And uh, so I just continue praying, and, and I can almost hear in her mind, she's saying, Grandpa, it's over, all done, you already thank Jesus for the food. Hold on. Amen. She keeps repeating that, interrupting me. Well, when you open your eyes, after you say amen, the food is actually gone. Well, here, when Paul finishes chapter 15, he is finishing with an amen. And I can see almost the Holy Spirit prompting Paul and the writer, in this case, Tertius, the writer who wrote a Roman, uh, Paul dictated this, this letter and Tertius described was actually writing this letter and I can almost see both of them looking at each other wait a minute there are a whole bunch of people you have to recognize Paul people who make up part of your team these are the people who who made a big difference where you went to preach the gospel Sometimes we tend to discount these people and not pay attention to them. I was going through Lima, coming back to Quito, Ecuador, and a friend of mine invited me to uh, have dinner with them. <laughs> and uh, that was a few years ago, and it was just about Christmas time. So I got to his place in the evening, and uh, he, my host says, uh, by the way, we have a surprise for you. Huh? Yeah. We, we're going to, actually, this in national television, this 30-minute this program is called Christmas Carol. And it was produced by your organization, HCJB. Now, HCJB has a, a ministry 
uh, called CCC, Center for Christian Communication. We teach young people uh, in the areas of communications and, and uh, producing videos and all of that. And uh, my sister participated, my sister Mari participated in the production of that 30 minute video. Christmas Carol, based on, on um, um, uh, Charles Dickens' famous story, uh, Christmas story. Uh, well done. It, it was using actors, Latin American actors. It was a, a phenomenal production. To be on national television was something else. Well, we finished watching the, um, the video, and then I was sitting there at the end of the movie, this long list of... Uh, Names, the people who helped produce the, the video. And uh, my, my host didn't understand what was going on in my mind. He said, well, what are you doing here? I said, I, I just, I'm waiting for my, to see my sister's name. Are you crazy? Yeah. To explain to me what, what happened. Well, see, my sister has a part in this movie. What part is that? Well, she um, she was she has about fifteen seconds in the movie. Her face was not on it, but when 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 the Scrooge was having this heated debate with his accountant in the background, there was a window, and it was a, a storm out there. And my sister actually to make that to produce that scene, he had a fire a, 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 a water hose, you know, by the window and a few branches moving with the left hand. <laughs> Fifteen seconds of the movie! And here I was waiting to see my sister's name. Mari Saavedra! I felt so proud of her. I wanted to recognize. I wanted everybody to, 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 to have a joke with me. To... To really have a good time with me watching my sister's name on the screen. But everybody was gone. See, I can almost picture at the end of history, Jesus sitting there, stop rolling. I want to see William's name on the screen, a faithful servant. Uh, stop! I I I want to see Elizabeth's name. See, we don't get too much credit to those people who are in the background, don't we? And yet, those were the very people that made a phenomenal contribution to the to the Lord's work through our history. So here we go. I'm not going to go to every name, but let me just pick a few names. Uh, we are just about ready. Uh, let me go to greet Prisca and Priscilla and Aquila, verse 3. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life. And your version probably says, who risk their lives. But I like the expression, necks. Can you imagine that? Picture with me sticking your neck out, you know. I love the English expression of sticking your neck out. You know, risking your life is the idea. There are people who risk their lives to make ministry possible. 
And these were the actual team members that Paul worked with. Uh, let me read another name here. Uh, Mary, in verse 6. Let's go to verse 6. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. She worked hard. In fact, the more I read this chapter, I realize that women, when, when Paul mentions about the working hard, there are three women mentioned in this passage. They work very hard. Hard-working people. Pastor Rick and I were in Cusco uh, a few years ago, and we had a three-year training there. And uh, he came to one of the training sessions. But I knew the people already. In three years, you get to know people. And uh, we had about 25, 30 pastors that came for the training. And uh, there was... uh, teaching and at the end of the outside the, the group there was a lady sitting there all the time just listening listening and and participating and and she was very attentive and then she, she, she an elderly woman woman she came over and she said can i bring you some water so she started bringing me a bottle of water and then she asked me, do you need anything to eat? I love fruit. So she brought me fruit. And every time we were there, she was attentive, coming to me, asking, what do you need? And nobody paid attention to her. The pastor were too busy. And soon we developed a close relationship with this elderly woman. Reminded of my mother. In fact, Paul had similar experience. Let's look at the, a verse in... Um, uh, let's go to verse 13. Okay? That's another name. Greet Rufus. By the way, when I was growing up, my neighbor had a dog called Rufus. And every time I, you know, think about Rufus, in my mind is a picture of this ugly dog my neighbor had. And uh, until I get to Romans, then I begin to develop a special effect for Rufus. Because he was Paul's companion. But more than that, his mother became like a mother to Paul. That's the way the lady became to me. What can I do for you? Can I help you? Can I bring some water? Can I bring some fruit? Can I do any? Soon she was washing my clothes. She'd bring your clothes. A big bag of clothes. The next day she was bringing all iron and everything. Can I pay you? No, 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 no. Soon she became part of my team. Wow. And when I mentioned that to pastors, what do you mean she's part of your team? The pastors couldn't believe that I said that. Yeah, she's part of my team. Isn't that fantastic? I love this. This is one of my favorite chapters in Romans. You know, you, you, 
previous to chapter 16, you talk about great doctrines of the faith and, and all of that. But you go to chapter 16, then you realize that ministry was made possible because of the list of heroes, unlikely heroes of chapter 16. Maybe you are one of them. In this church. Maybe nobody knows that you're giving your, 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 your offering to, some, to help someone. Maybe a child in Africa. Nobody knows. Amen. People don't need to know. But guess what? Who's going to be waiting at the end of eternity? Stop! There is Peter. I want to see his name. Faithful one. Faithful one. And I love the closing statement of chapter 16. But before we get there, let me show you, let me tell you the story. We're going to have to run a little to the slide series here. I want to show you the name of Javier. See, Javier uh, is, a, is a young man in Ecuador who I would say, I am his helper. I am the other. Kathy and I are the other. When Javier is, once in a while he calls me on my cell phone, Americo, can I come? Sure. We meet for lunch. We pray together. We, we, he takes some books with him and, and he, he has some um, uh, things that, that we have wants to do. He actually was a contact that was made here in your church. A lady called Alicia Duran Bajen that came to your church. She is the daughter of the former president, I'll say it right this time, of Ecuador. And uh, she knew about our ministry. And she said, I'm going to give you the name of Javier, and I want you to take him to Peru to this, this ship, this vessel, this, this boat, we would call where we have a project called Mission on Board. So, in the next slide, we'll show him singing with uh, uh, a group of his uh, Ecuadorian friends. Javier is on the left. That event was so special to Javier. When he came back home to Quito, he began to visit homes in the most difficult places in Quito. Even grabbing kids from the streets, the punks and the prostitutes and the undesirable people. And he started renting a garage right in the center of town. And Kathy and I had the privilege to go there and inaugurate his church. He planted a church. And soon Javier was telling me, Americo, God has been good to me. And I want to do something else that nobody has attempted to do. I want to plant a church in my hometown where evangelicals in the past were terribly harassed, persecuted. In the name of God, I want to plant a church in my hometown. And he did. So he started showing the, 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 the um, gospel film, um, the Jesus film, and people started coming and coming. 
And by the way, by, by his hometown, this is a beautiful spot near his hometown. This lake is probably one of the coldest lakes in that area. And, 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 and Javier said, what is going to stop me from baptizing people? By the way, people started coming to know Christ in his hometown. Now, you may see the people that are being baptized here and applaud them for giving that step of faith. We should. But let me tell you, Javier is in the background in the left side. Look at that smile. I would not be smiling that much when it's you know, cold. You have freezing legs. But that's Javier. Just irradiates Jesus' joy. By the way, when I want a boost, I call Javier. We ask Javier to come and visit us. We invite him over for lunch. Because see, Javier is the kind of man who is an encourager. He's got a heart of God. I want to be like Javier when I grow up. He's a man of God. I want to finish. One final statement here. The doxology of Romans Romans 16. Now to him who is able. Who is able? God is able. See, there's no way, none of us would do the things that we are doing for God's kingdom without the enabler. He who enables us. No way. No way. My power is not my own. My power comes from God. Who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of, of the mystery that was kept secret for all long ages. But he has now been, dis- but now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. One of the reasons why we are ministering in Ecuador or Peru or Bolivia or Argentina and other places because, brothers and sisters, we want the whole nation, the whole nations to know about Christ. We want Peruvians, Ecuadorians, and Chileans to be missionaries in other parts of the world. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And Javier is also dreaming about that according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. This is what we are pursuing. We are pursuing men and women to become obedience to God. To the only wise God be, for, uh, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. See? We don't do this for ourselves. We do it for the glory of God. We want God to be seen wherever we go. We want God to be seen. His glory to be revealed. Small towns, villages, cities, everywhere where Christ can be seen. And I praise God for your church because you are taking His light to your neighborhoods, to your workplace, to your neighbors. And I want to thank you, thank you, uh, thank you for releasing your pastor to come and give us a hand to make Christ known to the nations. Let's pray together.